0: Welcome to episode 55 of the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar, Mark Sheeran, Stephen Slate, and I will be talking directly to families today um, and people who are trying to help someone who may be struggling with a substance use problem, especially now as COVID is... The whole lockdowns have kept going, and and I know there's a lot of people that may be struggling. You, You may be watching someone struggle. Um, there is a difference between being supportive of someone and trying to help them and being manipulative Um, people pretty much know when you're being manipulative so that's what we're going to talk about today just for the record we offer two ways to work privately with a freedom model instructor the first way is at our beautiful st. Jude retreat and the second way is via zoom with our at home Freedom Model Private Instruction. You can get information about our retreat at soberforever.net and the freedommodel.org and about our at home private instruction program at leaveaddictionbehind.com. All right, let's let's talk to families.
1: Well, I think I just want to be clear about what the topic is. So so let's say you're a parent and you're watching your son or daughter or a relative just struggle horribly. Uh, and like, men, like Michelle mentioned, you, you might be actually watching this because of the lockdowns, which mm-hmm. normally there might be some distance, you know. Person may
0: be drinking someplace else, so yeah. you know, you doing drugs someplace else. But maybe now they're stuck home.
1: Yeah. So I can imagine that that's got to be a, a pretty brutal thing to watch. Um, so so the question becomes: How do you help somebody? And after, you know, we've been helping substance users for 31 years, and I tell people all the time, if you can think it, we've probably seen it. (laughs) And heard it. Yeah. (laughs) When you've worked with thousands and thousands of people. But one of the things that we get are the occasional parent that will call. Let's say we have somebody at our retreat, and a parent will call us, and and they'll have a discussion with us. And um, let's say they're on the release form. So the the guest doesn't mind us talking to their parent. And uh, the parent will say, you know, should I, should I give Tom a car when he gets home? Should I pay for their apartment if they stay sober? Should I, you know, or should I show him all the damage she did to the family? You know, and there's all these kinds of... Strange questions that happen and and they're understandable you know the parents are frightened pissed off, frustrated and um, desperate and desperate yeah and and loving
2: yeah right? yeah so and, and I want to say the parents get a conflicting message because yeah, for sure they get blamed for the person using yeah you know and yeah. whether that's by a therapist saying you've you hurt them in this way now you're making them use. Right. Or it's that it just in being nice or providing a place to live. And then on the other hand, they're told there's nothing you can do that will make the person not use. Hmm. And, you know. Yeah, they're powerless over they're, their disease. And they know there's a conflict in this. And And the logic goes, if I can make them use, I can make them not use. Oh, right, that's,
0: right. Yeah. And that's, and that's pretty
2: <laughs> solid logic. Yeah. It
0: sure is. You know
2: what I mean? But, yeah. you know, I, I think the whole thing is very different than that. But that's... You know, they get the message everywhere that they're the cause of the use.
1: Yeah, I, so. and even if they're told they're not, if, that they that they have no power in helping their son or daughter, um, and that they should walk away and not enable them, right? Um, the instinct of the parent is, well, I really don't want to walk away; they might die. You know. Yeah. Um, and and so there's this weird push and pull between, you know, there's the parent is supposed to behave in a certain way to get their kids sober. Yeah. And here's the reality. I'm going to make a blanket statement, and there's a lot more nuance that we'll get into, but the parent has no control over that situation.
0: I mean, think about when your kid turns like three years old and they're running. They're running everywhere, and you get him out of the car and you say, stand by the car, and the kid takes off into the parking lot. You don't have control over a (laughs) 3-year-old. What what are the chances that you're going to have control over a 20-year-old or a 16-year-old or a 40-year-old?
1: Yeah, And, and the reason is, there's a fundamental reason for that, and that is that every human being is autonomous. They're their own thinking creature. And that reality makes things difficult. It makes it difficult because when you're watching this autonomous person slowly kill themselves, you feel enormously powerless. But at the same time, then treatment centers or therapists will say it's partially your fault or it is your fault. I mean, so like Steve said, it's it's very conflicting.
0: Well, and they, they don't say that directly. They say that with terms like codependent, enabling. Those terms say to you, if you're enabling somebody... That person doesn't have control over their behavior because they have a disease, right? But you do because if you enable them, you're giving them whatever they need to keep doing what they're doing. And
1: here's the crazy part about this. You know the enabling theory isn't correct because then you say to yourself, if I stop giving, does it make them stop? And it doesn't. <laughs> doesn't. Not no. at okay. all. <laughs> okay. So, so on the one hand, like Steve mentioned, they're saying... You know, implicitly, you're enabling them. You're literally enabling them to behave in this way. Right. And then they say, with tough love, take everything away and cut them off. And uh, they'll stop. You cut them off. They don't. And in some cases, they do die. I mean, sure. it's rare, but, but in some cases, they do. The chances and, and, are equal. Right. And, and so, so the question becomes what's the right thing to do? you know and i think first it's to recognize that people do what they want to do based on the happiness they see in the activity the value of happiness they're going to get out of it and your son and daughter is not diseased we have to start with the real basics for parents they're not powerless they're making a choice so there's hope there that's that's number 1 right that t- that
0: can take some of the panic down and out. Yeah,
1: yeah, fir- yeah, exactly. The first thing we have to do is eliminate as much panic as possible because you can't make really good decisions when you're freaking out. Um, so they don't have a disease and they need to know that they don't have a disease. Okay? Yeah. Because they may believe they do and they may feel hopeless and be driven and compelled to use beyond their willpower. So so if they are carrying the disease idea and you are too, I would read the freedom model immediately. Uh, And that this isn't, I'm not being a shill for the book here. Uh, You know, what I'm saying is there's information in there that you need to have so that you can take the panic down and realize that they're not powerless. That powerless idea is a horrible, misleading idea. So once you know that they're not diseased, then what? Then it becomes a choice. That can be equally hard because you realize my kid is putting a needle in their arm every day committing crimes or whatever, drinking themselves to death in the basement because they want to? Yeah. Right? And the answer is, yes, they do want to. Now, it doesn't always have to be that way. And I think the second fact you need to know is... Well, and uh, important when you say they want to.
2: It's not that they want to kill themselves, want to ruin their lives, want to, you know, and people get confused when we say that mm. sometimes. Yeah, I just want to so point explain that. Out. It's that they want to get the high. Right. right. They, they think that's what they need to feel good, and it's worth these other risks. You know, they might not say that out loud, but that's revealed by the behavior is that it seems worth it to them. And um, the only way they're going to change that is when it doesn't seem worth it, we think raising the costs does that, but like right. if you got a starving man, you know you got a, a dying um, uh, thirsty man in the desert, you can keep raising the price of the water as much as you want. Right. And, right. and and if, if he can pay it, he'll pay it. And so that's not re- you know, but that's the instinct is well, impose more punishments, costs, etc. and that'll change it. That'll make it not worth it. But the, the problem you see is that the person with the substance use problem doesn't see a better option. Right. So if they're right. looking at one option, they'll pay any price for that one
1: option. So if you recognize the autonomy of the person, you also have to recognize that you're autonomous with your own thoughts. So you have two different perspectives. You have two different parties. You have the parent, and then you have the person. Each has needs, right? And wants and desires. So what does a parent have control over? They have control over themselves. And you cover this in your book, Michelle, Mm Free Model for the Family, uh, all over the place, I mean, in just about every chapter. Um, So really, when we talk about tough love, we can't control somebody with tough love. We can't take something away from the addict, the alcoholic, right? You can't take it away and expect them to change immediately. Sometimes you might get potluck and it might work. But most of the time it doesn't. So what do you have control over? You have to decide what you want for your life as the parent. Do you want to continue to watch right. them die? You know, in the household. If not, well, maybe they should go. Maybe they shouldn't go, you know. But really the only one you have control over is yourself.
0: So so the way you make that decision is whatever this is what I tell parents, whatever helps you to sleep at night. Yeah. Because yeah, there's no Wrong answer, because what you decide to do or not do has no bearing on what this person is going to decide to do or not do. That's right. There's no behavior in
1: taking away something or giving something that has a greater value in changing that person's behavior. You don't know. Right. You, ju- you just don't know what's going to work, And but punishing and manipulating people um, certainly the person knows they're being punished and manipulated so that's not going to be effective yeah Uh, or if it is it's going to be for a very short period of time
2: and so some of the manipulation is well if you do this um then like if you stay sober for a year um i'll help you invest and get a subway franchise (laughs) Right. <laughs> yeah
0: speaking from <laughs> <laughs> right that's one we've heard oh yeah maybe i don't know if
2: that was the exact form yeah. of it but no, there was, it was there was a parent that was very obsessed with I'll get you a Subway franchise. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. I can't
1: tell you how many times in the last 30 years it's a car. It's okay. a car. A car is a big one. An apartment.
2: apartment. Your own
1: apartment. You get to move out on your own.
0: I will pay for you to move into your own apartment. Now, if you, we're not saying that that's a bad thing for a parent to help somebody to do to get started. What we're saying is if you're doing it because you want to guarantee this person yeah. does what you want, you're probably going to be disappointed. Because that. they know that
1: they <laughs> know do. that it's being held over their head and that's and they feel like
2: a puppet yeah you feel like a puppet in that situation yeah yeah and 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 you have to and if if the point is especially if we're dealing with a young person or somebody coming of age that that could be that could be 30 that could be 35 you know yeah. it's, it's often 20 25 but it's all over the place yeah and um, and what you're really wanting Usually in that situation, this person hasn't, it, it, you know, isn't living life yet. They're not, they're not a fully formed individual yet. They're they've been dependent, right? And you're going to create a situation, and and it's not just about whether you give them something or not. It's the manipulation, right? Part. It's the motivation. It's the, part. it's the let me set up a real structured thing here, and and. You know, it's dangle the carrot dangle this carrot in front of you that's the part is where they're never gonna they're, Full, fully never embrace gonna, that they're never gonna fully break free right. do you know what I mean so that's where they're gonna keep playing the game of alright I'll do this maybe I'll do this thing to make you happy or maybe I won't and, I'll, tr- I won't. and I'll drink or drug and on the side and then I'll try to do this yeah. on the side it's like if you if you treat somebody like a child right. if you treat them like an animal right Like, then don't be, like, let's not be shocked when they exhibit those same behaviors, which is child, children, you know, you sneak around and do the things your parents don't want you to do. Right, right. And you do them surreptitiously. And, you know, you don't stand behind your actions and (laughs) proudly. you know, um, just be who you are, who you want to be. You, you, you present something for
1: the people pulling the strings. So the question is, how, how, can any, how do you start progress, right? And um, if somebody's right in the throes of it and they're just getting hammered all the time and it's full-bore crisis, then you have to ask yourself, we go right back to yourself, what do you want? How can you have some peace in your life? Sometimes that means the person has to go live somewhere else or something like that because they're not going to stop, and they've made that clear. They're owning their choice. You're owning your choice. You want a peaceful home, and it scares you, but you say, you know what, I can't live with chaos, and that's fair, and that's fair. But then there's these gray areas where it's not so cut and dry where the person is telling you, I really do want to stop, and they're struggling, mm-hmm. um, And in those situations, a lot of times progress can start with a small victory. Let's say that they go out and they try to get a job. You just encourage everything that's positive and you ignore everything that's negative. I know that that sounds dismissive, but if you're in that gray area, just bank on being encouraging with the good stuff, you know? Yeah.
0: It really does matter.
1: I I mean... Yeah. So, so
0: go ahead. Uh, well, I wanted to. When somebody keeps coming to you for help, and I I do talk about this in my book as well. I think I talk about we have an, an e-book um, for parents that mm. that have been going round and round,
1: you yeah. know,
0: with their loved one comes and asks for help, and then gets uh, high get, and then yeah. d- go you, they, you all you give the help they asked for, and then they keep doing what they were doing. Yeah. And um, so I have this kind of rule of thumb that that works most of the time, which is. If somebody comes to you for help, you tell them what you're willing to do. This is what I'm willing to do. If they don't accept what you're willing to do, then they're not looking for you helping them to change. They're looking for you helping them to keep doing what they're doing. Yeah. Because anybody that's desperate and looking for help will take whatever help is given. Yeah. That's <laughs> true. That's a
1: great litmus test yeah. right there. I want parents to, if you have to rewind what she just said, that is, that is so true. That you know, so it's
0: so, so that's what you do. You figure out what am I willing to do, um, as the parent and look at, I have three grown sons, um, and there are, you know, none of them have substance use problems. Thank goodness. Um, but there are times when they ask me for help and depending on my personal situation, I give it or I don't. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't feel obliged to give it They're adults, um, and so you're not, you know, our only job as parents is to get our sons and daughters to a point where they can be truly self-sufficient. And with some kids, that's like 15, you know, yeah. I mean, I, mean, my husband moved out on his own at 17, Yeah. totally self-sufficient with some, it takes a little bit longer, but that's our only job. And so as you have a, a an adult child that's still struggling, maybe still at home, maybe, you know, really struggling with substances. Um, check your motives on on what you're doing for them. if I if you find out that I'm doing this because I want that person to change, you probably should figure out a different different stuff to be doing. Start to figure out what you want, what you want for your own happiness. I think it was a it was an interesting I there was this interesting who was you were with me, I think We went down to see. Dr. Joy Brown. She actually uh, uh, did our our first audiobook. Yeah. Um. And uh, and she, we went down to see a live show, and this woman stood up and asked a question. And she, I, I want to say the woman was like in her maybe late sixties, yeah, early seventies. Remember. Remember? Yes. Yes. And um, and the woman was talking about her daughter who had. You know, she put her through college and mass, she got her master's degree and she's like, you know, I paid for those loans for years and she can't seem to keep a job and she keeps moving back home. She went through a bad divorce. She might have a bit a little bit of a drinking problem. So she was going through all these things and she's like, I want to sell my house and move to Florida. This was in New Jersey. She's like, I'm, I'm retired. I'm ready to go live my life. Um, my friends are all in Florida And I'm ready to do this. And Dr. Joy looked at her and she goes, well, how long do you plan on living? And the woman's like, like, was kind of taken aback by the question. And Dr. Joy's like, it's an honest question. Like, how much longer do you think you're going to be on this planet? (laughs) Right. And, And the woman was like, well, gosh, I hope at least 10 more years. And Dr. Joy goes, well, what's your daughter going to do in 10 years when you're gone? Why not be gone now? (laughs) <laughs> why not yeah. tell her she's in her 40s she's got all this going for her say you know I'm selling my house and you're not coming with me I don't want you to come to Florida with me I want you to live your life um, and if you come to Florida you're going to have to find your own place so you can come to Florida if you want but basically just sit her down and say "It's this is my time and I'm ready to go live my life
1: I think that that's a, a nuance that's really important is this point that parents feel guilty yeah. That they have to somehow fix their kids.
0: Yes. Like and, they did something wrong.
1: Yep. That it's their responsibility. Once, once a kid is, I don't know, 17, 18, 19, whatever it might be, they're pretty much capable. And you might say, no, they're not. Well... Sometimes the only way to find out if you're capable is to be cut off. I mean and that's not a tough love thing. That's just the reality of life. My father said at eighteen. bye bye yeah. <laughs> I, I really wasn't capable but I became capable really fast you know and uh like in weeks. so um so i I think sometimes we 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 hang on to a strategy that worked when the kid was 10. You know, you, you raise a kid from zero to whatever, mm-hmm. and then they're 20 and they're floundering, and you still use the same tactics you
0: used when they were eight. And I get why. Sure. Because you, that's what you know. Well, and especially if there's been divorce, and maybe there's just been some dysfunction, and so you feel you have guilt for it, mm-hmm. and that's you know, you one. think of all these things. I, Because I can remember being stressed out that I was going to mess my kids up. I uh, know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Know. You know? And uh but but Mark is right, you get to a certain age and we start making our choices. And I can tell you when I was getting high and acting crazy at twenty years old, I wasn't thinking about like the majority of the time I wasn't thinking, Oh my father was abusive. I wasn't thinking, you know, about what happened to me when I was seven years old. I wasn't thinking about those things. I was thinking I wanted to get high.
1: You know, I wanna I wanna jump on that. And so when my oldest was young I, we were poor, and we were struggling, and he was in uh, three different schools, and we lived in apartments, and sometimes we lived in houses, and sometimes, you know. You just moved and, and, around a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. They, they, for a while, they lived uh, with my in-laws, and while I was working and stuff. So, there was all this going on, and years later, when he was like 18, I said, you know, what what's your best memory? We were just talking in the truck one day, driving around. I think we were hunting, actually. And... Uh, I said, because you had a rough upbringing, you know? He goes, I didn't have a rough upbringing. <laughs> and I was like, really? Now, now, mind you, this, this bothered me for years and right. years. And years I was like, I on. wrecked him. Yeah. And, yeah. and he was like, my best memory was the time we went to Mobile, to a gas station. <laughs> got uh, ice cream sandwiches. Mm-hmm. I put the tailgate down. I barely remembered this. Okay? <laughs> and then we sat at the gas station at Many Corners in upstate New York after work eating ice cream sandwiches. Yeah. This was insignificant to me. And then he said it was his best memory in childhood. <laughs> and and I thought it doesn't take much. No, it really doesn't yeah. take much the happiness value so super here was this long string of events that i just said how i fucked up my kid right and and he was he like he didn't remember any of it he didn't remember he was like dad it was <laughs> wow, and, good. Yeah. And, and and this and i know and
2: he he seemed how old is he now he's 20 24 four yeah. So yeah, yeah, so he was like six, seven, eight when I was around yeah. our treat and He seemed pretty happy-go-lucky. <laughs> yeah, he was <laughs> a happy kid. And uh, yeah. yeah, but your perception was I'm traumatizing you.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes. True. Because I I had a genuinely tough upbringing, and and I was projecting that mm-hmm. onto yes, my kids, which is really damaging. So my point is, I want to I want to go full circle here. If you're carrying a bunch of guilt. Around for all kinds of things. Whatever don't, it was, don't assume unless you blather on about it constantly that your kid even thinks about it. Yeah, you know, or hopefully you haven't gone down the treatment road where they're finding trauma, <laughs> right? You know, and right, then it, creating and, it. Yeah, and then it creates it. So try to avoid that rat's <laughs> nest as well. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So. I, I
2: think I what I want to say is my experience of of being the son mm-hmm. I don't have kids or anything right, so right. you know I can't really speak from that angle but like when you walk around when I the puppet stuff I was saying is yeah. really yes. frustrating yes right feeling yeah. like terrible there's and and then sometimes it's like if there's if there's this carrot off in the distance um it's like Maybe sometimes it's like one of the parents wants you to fail. <laughs> yeah. Yes, like they're waiting, right? For it, yeah, we're or they're it it, yeah, or they're expecting it, or they feel like they can't be nice, and they have to be vigilant. And then there's this suspicion constantly on uh, Yeah. And then you say, "Fuck it, I'm gonna go use." Right, now, because everybody
0: thinks that's what I'm doing. To anyways. do
2: that, yeah, to do that, you gotta have some existing desire to use. Yeah. But, but there's something about like the situation. And w- what you face when you change, um, and, and I think if you want to be helpful to somebody, I think you just like you're it, you're saying before. There's a difference between being supportive and manipulative. And being supportive is like I'm gonna cheer you on in any positive changes you make, yep. like immediately. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'll and I'll smile I'm about. Gonna, I'm, I'm gonna Ryan. smile about that. Yeah. I'm not gonna be like thinking it's too good to be true you know it's like there there's all this fear in a parent like that you know what i mean like that like you said the other well, shoe's is gonna drop cool. or whatever mm-hmm. and that's fair but at the same time i think if you want to be a helpful presence you know what i mean then you cheer on anything that seems like progress yeah and it doesn't mean you have to give my parents gave but yeah. not in a manipulative way eventually you know it just they were Giving. Just giving. They're just supportive. Just yep. like, oh, God, you know, wow, this is great what you're doing.
1: Yeah.
2: Here, take some money. <laughs> like, that was the thing with my dad, too. Like, it, it was like, here, take this. Yeah. Uh, you know, and um, now I'm not saying give out money, but I'm just saying that's what happened. Um, just in me living my life differently. And, and then being like, oh, I want to go do this goal. Let me help you out with that. And that was really cool. And um, it was really cool not facing suspicion, finally. And that was in part because I really changed my mind. But it was in part because of the way we were relating to each other about it. It was right. now my choice. And it was not this, I'm going to treatment, keeping busy with treatment thing or whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah. something something was different. So I think, in as far as the tone... That I take when people come to the retreat is like, not I'm going to scare you, not you better change or you're going to die. But it's like, I want you to do whatever's going to make you happiest. And I want to help you explore that. Right, right. So, and you know, I know a parent's disposition is going to be slightly different than that. But I almost feel like that was what my parents eventually did you know when they were like when they saw like i was moving in the positive direction they're like well what do you want to do do you want to come back and work with us do you want to do this do you want to do that and basically we'll support you in any of it you know and and when i made a different choice and wanted to go back to school they supported me in doing that yeah and um you know uh it was more like allowing me to discover uh than manipulating me
0: yeah
1: does that make sense? Yeah, it, it totally makes does. perfect sense. Michelle, you have something. Well,
0: I sometimes will, and this is the one of the most the hardest things to deal with is when we get uh, people that call and they're calling us for their loved one, They're usually son or daughter because they they've tried everything else and they they see that we're different and so they're like and on the one hand they want their son or daughter to become personally responsible And on the other hand, what's really discouraging is that the things that they'll say to us about them, you know, if you've already developed this massive resentment as a parent, um, and you, you literally, like people will literally describe their kid as a piece of shit to me. Um, and it breaks my heart, um, because, because that's, I mean, I, I have a little bit of personal experience with people looking at me that way that, that I loved and um, and thinking that you know this person is just they're a liar they're a, you know they say all of these things about the substance user um, and so if you've already got a relationship that is that far apart that is that difficult um, then probably you need to take some time away away yeah and, you absolutely. know don't you there's, think there's
2: too much baggage yeah. and at that point. Your, it's, you know, it's kind of like the, it's the playground effect yes. that we were talking that we talked about in the book. And then I talked about in the Ted talk, if you're always looking at that person and you see them as, you know, if, if your motto is something like a tiger doesn't change his stripes. Yes. And that's how you're looking and you're looking at them and you're like, he's a, you know, he's a scummy lying addict yep.
0: and that's all you're
2: going to think of him and your interactions and every one of them is going to be tinged by that view. You either change that view or, yeah, maybe you spend time apart and let them go
1: reinvent themselves yes. without that influence. I it's so, it's so funny that you brought this up because, as, as Steve was talking a little earlier, I was going to say. So, Steve, what you're saying is the theme of success with a parent and a child is letting go with the past. Yes. There has to be some place in the relationship where you go, okay, there's a new beginning. So, and sometimes it's yeah. tiny.
0: Yes. Sometimes
1: it's tiny where the kid maybe ends up in your living room crying and says, you know what, I'm ready to, to try something new. Um, now, you may think in that exchange, oh, you're going to go to treatment? And they're like, no, I was thinking I'd like to just go to college and maybe smoke dope <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, instead of right. banging heroin. Right? Yeah. And I, and I want to be honest <laughs> about that. Now... The the point is, if you're incapable based on the past of having a conversation like that, because you're like, my God, you still are an addict. You can't yeah. you can't smoke we've pot. Do, we've heard we've all got, this got, before. Yeah. If mm-hmm. if that is your reaction, and that's understandable. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. We that's understandable. That. I totally understand when you're watching somebody die that you would react that way. Um, then the best thing you can do is take that space. Yeah. To get a new beginning. There. Are, because nothing good is going to happen when you're going to slip right into manipulation mode, yeah. control mode, anger mode, anger, yeah, resentment mode, yeah. and so are they. Yeah. Because I'll tell you one thing: if you're being controlled as a kid, you know what you're going to do. You're going to drink or drug at your parents. Yep. And you, you, you know, then you talk about that a lot. Then the kid can easily try to manipulate his parents back, yep. and it turns into a terrible terribly unproductive thing. and
2: and maybe what you need as a parent is also to get away from that from them yeah. drinking or drugging That's at you yeah right because here's the thing who
1: wants to be tortured
2: yeah right. in in psychology in social psychology they talk about social roles where you know two people have to play a part to be in a role mm-hmm. you know a doctor and a patient you have to respect the doctor do you know what i mean That's like, right you have to look up to and respect the doctor for him to be a doctor in a way. Yeah, right? yeah. of course. And of course. you have to be willing to um, to be open about whatever medical condition you have, and to look for some advice from the doctor and try to follow it for that relationship to exist. And it's like for a controller for for a controller and e You know what I mean? Yeah. Like You each have to play your part for. An addict, to be an addict, other people have to say you're abnormal and out of control and what you're doing is wrong. And, um, it, you know, like it's and, and it happens in all these subtle ways. We were, we were exploring this in class yesterday and, and I'm reaching for analogies for why, you, you know, you you get all these subtle clues from people that you are expected to act a certain way and I always could go to that book the The making of blind men and in that he talks about how you know a blind person could walk up to this office be totally capable of walking across the room and finding the chair and yet we'd run over to the door and say let me walk you over there and now the blind man faces that every single day of his life. And he can either fight and say, I'm fine, I can get across the yes. room. Or to make everybody else more comfortable, he just starts living up to the expectation. Right. Right, that right. he's helpless and needs to be held by the arm and 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 just mm. led around everywhere, right? Yep. And, you know, and we, we were talking about it yesterday. There's subtle ways. That's like for a, a lot of uh, black people might not face somebody being outwardly racist to them but then they go to the store and they're the one who gets followed around you know yeah Mm -hmm. and they're looking at the white people not getting followed around the store and so they get the message of like oh i'm suspicious right right and then and then that leads to whatever attitude and then that even that even causes more conflict between because they're being because they're being Treated suspicious, mm-hmm. so they act more suspicious. Than that. Now you've got this this infinite circle. Yeah, so you break the neurotic lock, is what you're talking. About. That this is what I'm saying. Yeah. So yeah. if if you if you are stuck in this role with somebody and you can't stop being suspicious, break the lock. You know, with your son or your daughter, get away for a while, and maybe you'll meet them at a later later date, and you'll see that they've genuinely changed. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But you, but for the time being. You're sustaining each other, and it's almost like when you're in a in a heated argument, just an argument, not with somebody that you have baggage with, just an argument, and you gotta walk
1: away. Yeah, you know I, what I mean. With but, this with this theme, let me jump in because what happens sometimes in that role as a parent is you feel guilty that you, when you leave, you're gonna feel better. The mm-hmm. idea, the idea that I'm gonna leave my kid. Let them kick them out of the house. Whatever we, we maybe it could be amicable. So taking even.
0: taking away financial support right? or, or whatever it is. Yeah. And what if you like that?
1: What if your life becomes better without your kids' chaos around? People are actually frightened of letting that go because yeah. they're so used to holding on to guilt.
0: Yeah. And so
1: all of a sudden, and I can remember when I got my life together. I was the last of twelve kids. So by the time my whole shit show peaked. My dad was absolutely calm. I'm sitting there falling apart, crying, detoxing, freaking out. And he's like... Um,
0: he hit his limit. He, he was like,
1: I, I just don't care. You know, you gotta go. Yeah. You just gotta go. We'll see you later. We'll see you later. I'm like, I don't have anywhere to go. I don't care. Right. Do. Yeah. And, and he but he was totally comfortable with it because he had experienced it eight other times. Right. You know, and he had gone through all the gyrations of real and he said to me, I can remember, my dad was a very well adjusted individual. He wasn't the best dad, but he was who he was. He was true to himself. And he knew he didn't want the crazy around.
0: Yeah. Right. He right. just didn't. He's
1: too old for that crap. And he didn't <laughs> feel guilty about it. And do you know? That that clean break did more for me. I quit drinking that day, because I realized the neurotic lock of me being the shit kid, and the kid that goes to jail, the kid that always has the police involved. All that was ending because he wasn't
0: participating. Yeah, which is exactly that's what, what I'm talking that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. he broke the lock. But that But notice how he did it though. He didn't do it by screaming at you and telling you what a piece of shit you were. Not at all. He he wasn't he just it was and this is the what I tell parents I'm like you want to you want to take the drama down. Yeah. This this becomes you know the the more calm and rational you can be, the less emotional you can be, the more productive any conversation is going to be. So if you are somebody that you come to the conclusion you're like we're not good for each other. You know, I I really I'm waiting for you to screw me over. Yeah, you know, maybe we, maybe you and I need a break from each other for a while. Yeah, you could even say it's okay
1: for you to feel better that your kid's not around. Yeah, it's really okay. Yeah, I, I understand it's hard, but it's really okay to say, you know what, I don't need the crazy anymore.
0: Because this is, this is what I say to parents: your kid doesn't owe you anything. You don't owe them anything. They're a grown up. You're a grown up. You get to live your life the way you want. You each equally can be happy. You each deserve your own happiness. So, you know, yeah. if, if you if these things if this person wants to live a lifestyle that you that you don't want around, okay. I mean it doesn't yeah. have to be this horrible, right. you know, knockdown, drag out fight where, you know, it's overly dramatic and the cops are being called and, and all and that you, stuff.
1: You don't it, it also doesn't have to be under your roof. No. Yeah. You know,
2: I, I, I want to say, you know, reflecting on what you're saying, like one of the best things was that I didn't live with my mother. Yeah. You know what I mean? When I, when I did finally quit, it's not that we cut it, you know, we cut off ties completely. I still visited. We visited.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Right. But I was living in a separate place. Yeah. I think that was key. Key. It was extremely important. You know, yeah, it was
1: extremely important me for me when my dad said basically kicked me out of the house and and I had nowhere to go. It was the best thing that happened to me. But Michelle's point is so important. He wasn't vindictive. Nope. He knew that whether I stayed or left had nothing to do with him having any part in the solution. Right. You know, mm-hmm. he was doing that for himself. Yeah. He was saying, and I I was kind of taken aback, like. Holy cow, Mm -hmm. you know, I think he'd be a little more emotional about, I'm I'm his last kid. I'm only 18. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Right, I'm only 18. (laughs) I I, I just got out of jail, man. And
2: that (laughs) does what we are trying to do here, which is to put your decisions in your lap as an individual, not
1: intertwined with your father. That's right. Right. That's right. So I recognized his autonomy by him breaking the neurotic lock we had. He Mm -hmm. was at peace. And I can remember years later, I came back to the house th- th- because I didn't have any place to live at the time. and I was in this transitionary period. And he's like, no, you ain't going to. And he goes, me, me and my stepmother, he goes, me and Anne just... We just had a party just yesterday. That We're not responsible for any children. (laughs) He was so happy. And I was like, okay, all right, I guess I'm not coming home.
0: Yeah, my mother pretty much told me when I moved out that she's like, this is it, right? You're Uh done here? And I was like, and I was was sober at the time. I was like, yeah, I I guess I don't have to come back. She's like, you can't. So I was like. Okay, cool. (laughs) I mean, I was 22 at the time. So it's not like I was a child. Yeah. Um, But I think that's fair. I think that's fair for parents to be like, you are totally capable. And that's the other part of this is, is I think a lot of times when you it's that sick kid syndrome, when you when I had a sickly, my youngest was sickly when he was little, and he was kind of babied for a long time. Um, And he's the one that's going to be uh, producing this. So, <laughs> so, but, but we stopped babying him, uh, when he, when he got to be like eight, nine, 10. Um, but, but what happens is, is when somebody is struggling for a long time with a substance use problem, parents get this idea that they aren't capable.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. And the modern treatment world and therapy world really, yeah, really reinforces that. And it's not true. They're it's very resilient and they'll be fine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. People are totally, totally capable. So do we have any last words? And I think, I don't think we can, we have time to cover, and I wanted to cover, you know, what, we, what about interventions, but I think we can cover that on another Yeah, Yeah, that's a whole different Because we, we've been going a long time on this. So do you guys have anything else? No. no. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. If you or somebody you know is seeking help for a substance use problem or other habitual behavior problem, or you're a... You're a family member who really isn't sure what to do, um, then you can call us at 888 424 2626. Um, or you can reach us through our website at thefreedommodel.org. Um, at thefreedommodel.org, we offer many free resources, including videos. We have a ton of videos we're doing now. On these podcasts, and we have our, our free ebooks. Um, digital editions of our books are available for free also to our podcast listeners at thefreedommodel.org. Uh, use coupon code Freedom100 at checkout for the Freedom Model for Addictions and Family100 for the Freedom Model for the Family. And paperbacks of our books are also available on amazon and other online retailers and if uh you need detox or you know somebody that needs detox uh you can call our friends at gallus detox that's g-a-l-l-u-s detox.com thank you take care